Well, hi again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Bench with the head coach, Craig Berube. I'm John Kelly. Tonight's show is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Of course, the President Day sale is going on right now. You can update the floors in your home with savings on all type of flooring, including solid hardwood, reclaimed and waterproof flooring. Visit one of our showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Again, with the head coach, Craig Bruby, the Blues sitting now with a record of 32, 15, and 10, 74 points. Still in first place, only a couple of points ahead of Colorado and three points ahead of the Dallas Stars. Uh, coach, first of all, it has been the most difficult of weeks, as we know. I guess the first question is how are you and the team holding up? Yeah, we're fine. I mean, uh, it's a very tough situation, obviously. And, uh, you know, I thought, um, you know, our guys, you know, they're pretty emotional right now. But um, they understand that, you know, we all got our job to do still. And, uh, you know, Bo's in good hands at the, the hospital. So that's a good, you know, we're relieved about that. So um, it's just about moving on and, um, you know, you know, we'll figure out what's going on with him a little bit more and that'll help too. Have you had a chance to talk to Jay? Yeah, well, through text messages. I text him every day and just see how he's doing and feeling and stuff like that. So I don't call him, you know, just uh, he's not the type of guy you want to call all the time and bother him. But So I send him a text here and there, see how he's doing. Coach, I know you've you know been around as a player and a coach for a long time, but I guess nothing in life or in coaching can prepare you for an incident like that, can it? Well, no, it was, uh, wasn't was a good one, I'll tell you that. It, uh pretty scary situation at the time and um, you know I thought it was handled extremely well by Ray our trainer and um, medical staff duck staff everybody was hands-on right away they did a great job I thought the NHL did a great job um, you know it was just done well yeah obviously I don't want to ask you any details about the situation but um, basically the doctors and the medical personnel though they were attending to Jay within seconds, weren't they? Yeah, they were right on top of it. Uh, you know, as soon as he collapsed and fell, like they were right there within, you know, under a minute. And everybody's around him, and they did a real good job. Uh, we're lucky that we have the trainer we have with Ray and uh, our staff. They were they did a great job, I thought. And uh, again, you know, the Ducks people were excellent. So it was handled excellent. You couldn't be handled any better. Obviously, Coach, this is a very tight group. Uh, the things that you went through last spring, obviously way different than a medical situation. But I think the guys got some you know, peace of mind when they were able to FaceTime with Jay after the game when you got to the hotel after you decided to stay over. Yeah, it was good that they did that. And uh, it was good that Jay was, you know, he felt good. And, you know, that made our guys feel a lot better. So that was really important for that to happen. Coach, uh, obviously in the last week or so, you've only now played two complete games. You lose in overtime to Dallas, and of course last night the 6-5 loss here in Vegas, a, a wild game. Um, number one, what was it uh, like for you as a coach to, to get this team ready to, to play hockey last night in Vegas after what happened? You know, it was just business as usual, to be honest with you. I, I went about uh, a normal game day routine. I didn't really change anything. Um, I think just keep it normal. They're going to feel the way they feel. I can't change the way they feel. Um, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, for a bit here so uh, we just we went about normalcy and um, you know to be honest with you I thought uh, we came out with a real good start in the game I thought our best period was our first period. 
Yeah, and obviously the, the game of the life of uh, Zach Sanford, he gets four goals in last night's game. Let's go back to last Saturday's game against Dallas, if we could, Coach. Uh, you lose 3-2 in overtime. Pareko gets a couple of goals. You had a 2-0 lead, and I know you've talked about starts. Um, sometimes they have been a bit inconsistent in the last month or so, but you had to love your start last week against Dallas. Oh, definitely. We came out. Uh, we were aggressive right away. Scored two goals, uh, one power play goal. Uh, Perenko had an excellent first period. I thought we had a good first period. Um, to be honest, it was a pretty tight game, but our first period was our best period in that game for sure. And then Dallas got that goal from Ben, and then Hintz, tied the game in the second. It looked like Dallas really found their legs in, in the third period. Was it a case of them, you know, just upping their game or were you guys just off your game a bit? Um, I don't think uh, they upped their game for sure, but and, but I don't think we're at the level we need to be right now with our game. So um, I thought our level dropped off um, as that game went along. Uh, we hung on for a point, but I thought our level dropped off as that game went along. Is that a case, Coach? Uh, I know you talk about 60-minute games, but that's obviously a goal every night. It's not realistic, of course, but that's obviously what you'd like to do. Well, definitely. I think that right now we're in a, uh, you know, February doldrums. Uh, lots going on. A lot of, you know, travel schedule's not great. Um, just a lot of stuff going on right now. And, you know, it's showing in our game on the ice. It's just not sharp. It's uh, the energy is a little bit low right now with our team, and uh, so that's something we got to find and work out of and get back. And obviously, I know you preach defensive hockey like pretty well every coach does. And I don't need to tell you the numbers are not great defensively in the last ten games. Is it, is that more of a case? You mentioned the doldrums. Is it is it mental? Is it mental preparation, or are these a lot of physical mistakes as well? Well, I'd say they're more mental than physical, but. There is obviously both involved, and uh, it's a team thing. Uh, when you want to be a good defensive team, it takes everybody, uh, goalies all the way through. And right now, we're just not sharp defensively. We're not, we're not helping our goalies out enough. And then, you know, we need a save here and there from them too. But we're just not, we're not, uh, we're not playing that heavy defensive style of hockey. We're not aggressive enough. We're not on top of people. We're giving too much time out there. Uh, and if you give you know, good players too much time, they're going to burn you. No question about it. Again, Coach, last night your club loses in overtime 6-5. to five. Uh, Let's talk about Zach Sanford. Did you get a sense before the game that he might have a four-goal game? Well, I didn't think that. That's a lot of goals, but uh, he's been playing really well uh, for a month now. Uh, been probably our best forward uh, most consistent forward, I would say. Um, you know, I think it just carried over to uh, last night. I mean, he he's just sharp. He's he's doing a lot of really good things. Uh, he's shooting a puck really well, going to the net, hanging onto the puck, uh, playing aggressive, being physical, all the things that we thought he could do, uh, and that we when we we traded for him, these are the things that we thought he could do, and now they're really starting to come out. So he's maturing and he's getting better and better as a player, um, stronger as a player, both mentally and physically. And this is he's a talented guy. He's got he's got really good ability. Coach, uh, obviously he has been on this line now for about a month, uh, but. You know, going back to last year, he was on some different lines, and at times, quite honestly, he was out of the lineup. How much has it helped him, though, to have some stability now on that top line? Well, it helps anybody. Like, you know, when you and I, we were all, we have to do it at times. You pull guys in on the lineup, they lose confidence pretty quick. 
Uh, he's been on that line for some time now. Um, even going back to last year, playoffs, he was on it. So he feels comfortable with those guys. They like playing with him. So, and he's been he's been on this role now for quite some time. So he's a pretty confident player. Coach, obviously the Blues uh, had the lead a couple of times in the third period. I, I guess it must be frustrating knowing that you could have had another point, yet you couldn't hold on to the lead. Well, the penalties really cost us the game last night, in my opinion. And we weren't. I'm not sitting here saying we we're that sharp in a game because we weren't. But you can't go to the penalty box like. That, that much in a game and expect to win. You won't win. It's too hard. Can't. You got to stay out of the box. We weren't disciplined enough in the game. I didn't like some of the calls, but listen, if I, I go back and look at them, they are, they are all penalties. Some of them are soft penalties, but they're penalties and we got to be better. Coach, obviously uh, you're going to miss Jay Bomeister in a lot of different areas. He plays a ton of minutes, plays with Pareko, but he also leads you in shorthanded ice time every night. I would assume that's going to be a big challenge to to make up those minutes and, and find the right combinations. Well, it is for sure. He's uh, he's a guy that does all that work for us, uh, playing against top lines, penalty kill. Yeah, we'll, he's going to be missed for sure. Like uh, nothing we can do about it, though. We you know we're just worried about his health and want him better, uh, and we'll have to figure it out. Other guys are going to have to go step in and do a job. You also, of course, made a roster move the other day. Nico Mikola recalled again from the minors. Uh, what did you think of his game when he was up here a few weeks ago? Yeah, I really liked his game. I thought that he was a good player up here for us. Uh, you know, it's just uses that big body and great stick, aggressive player. And, um, you know, he, he, did, he did a nice job. So we'll see. You know, I, I, we'll see if we can get him back in there. I mean, um, I thought that when he was up here, we, were, we played pretty good hockey with him in a lineup. So it might be something we might, might need. Coach, uh, obviously Sunquist on the trip, the dad's trip, but uh, wasn't able to play in Anaheim or Vegas. Uh, again, he is skating, but it doesn't appear he's ready to play this weekend, is he? Well, it's up in the air right now. We'll see today. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get him on the ice when we get home today, and if he feels good, he might play tomorrow. So that'd be a real good boost for us. Absolutely. Of course, the Blues playing the Nashville Predators tomorrow at 2 o'clock and then back in Nashville on Sunday. Let's talk about Nashville briefly, Coach. Uh, you're 0-1-1 against them. You haven't seen them since late November, but they've made a big change. Peter Laviolette fired John Hines is now the head coach. Um, what are they doing, if anything, differently than the last time you saw them? Well, I haven't really watched a ton of their games, to be honest with you. I'm going to look at it today more, but I doubt it if they're going to be, it's going to change that much. Um, John Hines, you know, does a lot of things Laviolette does. Going back to the Jersey teams he coached, he's an aggressive coach. They're going to be a hard forechecking team like they have been. You know, they're going to they're going to get up the ice with their defense like they always have. So those things aren't going to change that much uh, with how they play. Coach, obviously this is a divisional rivalry. It seems like there's a nastiness to these games. Is that fair? Oh, for sure. I think, uh, you know, it goes back a few years now. Um, you know, played each other in the playoffs, I forget, maybe 2016. So I think it goes back to then. And uh, they're always hard physical games. And uh, 
you know, when you have this on your schedule, it's a back-to-back uh, game, Saturday, Sunday against Nashville. You know, it's going to be a lot of entertainment and excitement going on in the building. Yeah, I would think so. And, and finally, Coach, I would think uh, Roman Yossi's the guy you're going to really circle on the – uh, on the on the board in the locker room. I mean, he is one of the most dynamic players generating offense. He can skate so well, but I would think that's a key this weekend. Oh, definitely. He's he's all over the map out there. So it's important that we get on him. We got to be we got to be on him. We got to be physical on him and and get the puck out of his hands as much as possible because he can really do a good job skating that thing up the ice and making things happen in the offensive zone. Uh, very dynamic player. Coach, thank you very much. Uh, Good luck this weekend against the Preds. Thank you very much, J.K. All right, that's the head coach, Craig Berube. I'm John Kelly. Much more coming up next here on 101 ESPN. And John Kelly back on 101 ESPN, a chance to catch up with one of the dads, Mitch Bozak, the dad, of course, of Tyler Bozak. And we got to know you last year on your first dad trip with the St. Louis Blues. I assume you took some with the Maple Leafs. But what is it like for the dads on this week-long trip with with their hockey sons well you know it's very special i mean you don't get the once they get older you don't get that chance the 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 time with your son as silly as it may sound but you don't get it and here you're right with them you're you're around the team it really makes you feel a part of it and you get great relationships with other players and also with a lot of the other fathers and with last year having the run to the cup and winning the cup we spent a lot more time together and so really had a lot of fun together, more so than we would have if, if it was a short run and they didn't go far in the playoffs. So it was great to have the, the guys back together. We we're having some laughs, uh, kind of picking up where we left off, actually. Yeah, because we saw you guys um, obviously last year on the dad's trip to Florida and then a lot in the playoffs en route to the Cup. And I think it's cool, Mitch, that the coaches let you guys in on the meetings and things like that. How, how special is that for the dads? Yeah, that is. I, I, when I talk to, the more I talk to the dads, I really re- find out how much they were involved in the game and coaching and that. And, and that's my background too, was coaching. So coming in there, I get all excited. I almost want to put a, some gear on after that. But I really find it interesting to see where the game is now and, and how at this level and this uh, elite athlete prepare and what they need to know and be reminded of of what they're in store for for their game and uh, I I really enjoy that part of it. You know what Mitch I was talking last week to coach Berube about the upcoming dad's trip and I asked him about the, the dads being in the locker room and and I said do they give you advice and he sort of joked he goes no they just tell me to play my kid more. <laughs> Does any of that go on in a fun way? Oh, I, I think that always goes on. We all look back at the earlier years where we, everybody, you know, your own son, you want him playing more and, and uh, jokingly might say something like that. I always like to remind them that that the history of that, having the fathers on these trips has been very successful for the team. So I'd like to use that as a reminder that maybe keep it in mind even for next year again because they're so much fun. Yeah, again, we're talking to Mitch Bozak, Tyler Bozak's dad here, of course, on another father's trip with the St. Louis Blues this week. How fun was it for you and uh, your family, your entire family, to watch Tyler win a cup last year? It was, it was very surreal. I mean, I, I saw the potential there at 
with the team and then to be able to watch them each level, each round, and just to see what they had to do to get there. And it was it was almost like when, because we were in Boston and w when the final buzzer went, and you know, I've looked up at the score, I know what they've won, and I still had to look at my wife and just kind of like, did this really happen? Like it still, it still is surreal, but so special. I, I so we're so blessed to be able to have gone through that. I can see how hard it is for teams to get a victory and to have players get through it and, and to have your own son get through it and see the Bozak name on the cup didn't hurt either. No, exactly. And you're on the ice after the Game 7 victory with the cup. How how impressive was that? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I've been watching for 50 years and I'm watching everybody else do and it's almost like, well, that's for everybody else. That's not me. And to be out there and doing that thing, it, just, it was just a, a special moment that I'll never forget. And, and we had our grandson with us too, so we brought him to Boston. So to have him as part of the family out on the ice enjoying this together was really special. Yeah, obviously it was. Mitch Bozak, as, uh, when, when Tyler was a young guy, when did he first get into hockey and why did he choose hockey? Well, you know what? I was still playing a little bit, coaching a little bit, so I was around the rink and he, they would come when I was just playing some pickup hockey. I'd go to the rink and I'd take the boys with me and sometimes they'd bring their skates and they'd skate a little bit. But I think a lot with Tyler, his brother started skating and liked the game. Of course, we love it and was hoping that our boys would take a, a love of the game. And I think he would just expose them to the game. And that was history after that. We built uh, an outdoor rink and they, the boys spent hours out there and they loved it. Like it would be 30 below. And I'm telling you, I, it was tough to get them off of there. I'm thinking, are you guys crazy? But they loved it. And I think that was where it nurtured the interest and then, you know, what hockey brings to learning life skills and everything else that come along with it, that they were, they had friends and they, you know, evolved kind of around the, the game itself. And even though they did other sports, hockey was a main one. And I think that's where Tyler got the interest and he just, just loved playing the game. He just loved being out there. And I think that just carried on with them even to today. So you built the outdoor rink yourself every year? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I was, wasn't the prettiest rink because we had a big tree right in the middle of that that had a branch that stuck out. So I had to take that out one summer because it, they could skate under it, but at that time it hit me right in the head. So, but it was it was good enough. It didn't need a lot of ice, and they would go out there. And you know, as time went on, I'd have to build the the chicken wire higher as they got older to be able to shoot a little harder and and further. And springtime, I knew it was springtime because the neighbor would dump about a puck load of uh, a pail full of pucks on the on my uh, on my walk that went over there all winter long. Right, that's funny stuff. When when did you first think that Tyler could make hockey a career? You know, it's funny you say that because it really I just looked at it just as long as you're having fun was the main thing. You're enjoying it. As time went on past like midget, I thought maybe could hockey give him an education? And that's the route he went. He, he went to, wanted to play college. So he went to tier two junior, played that and did get a scholarship. And it wasn't until actually there that it really, there were scouts around and saying, geez, we want to sign your son like, like now and I'm going what where where does this come so it it has been a, a very interesting uh, scenario all the way along because I, I always thought he was one of the smartest if not the smartest guy on the ice when he grew up but he was always the smallest guy and then about midget hockey he started growing uh, which I didn't expect because I'm not the tallest guy and uh, so to that point, I really just wanted him to have fun, have some success, feel good about himself, make some good friends, learn a little bit about life. 
and as it wasn't till college that uh, that we really started seeing this interest about him being a free agent and could sign him. Then he had a lot of interest, and that was I wasn't even thinking that. I was hoping he'd get an education. And I'd be happy. I would have been happy with the game just for that. Well, he's certainly done a lot more than that. And finally, Mitch Bozak, you know, you spend what four or five days here with your son and the other dads, and again, you're in on the meetings. You, of course, go to the games. You have some nice dinners. What's the highlight of the week for you? Um, I like the, I mean, the games are all exciting and it's the, just hanging with the guys, even flying with them, seeing how they're, you know, it's a hard career. Like I, I get amazed at how much they have to travel and how bruised up they can be. And yet they're ready to go for the next game. And I, I just like being that close contact with them. You're eating with them. You, you know, you go the highs and the lows, lucky enough that on the dad's trip, we've had more highs than lows, but you know, we're, we're certainly aware of that as dad. Growing up with our sons that played hockey all the way along, that you 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 got to go with both the good and the bad, and and then again, that's another life skill that they learn. But I think just hanging with the with the whole team and just being around the game, we're seeing it from a side that uh, a lot of people don't get to see it from, and I feel really privileged and honored that uh, the Blues would allow us into this uh, realm and to get to see it, and that's time that I get to spend with my son too. Yeah, special time indeed. Mitch Bozak enjoyed the chat and. Uh, Thank you very much. Always great to see you. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, that's Mitch Bozak, the dad of Tyler Bozak. Much more coming up right after this on 101 ESPN. And John Kelly back on 101 ESPN on Behind the Bench. Our guest is the dad of Vince Dunn, John Dunn, who is actually a policeman up in Ontario and along for his second father's trip for the St. Louis Blues. And, John, obviously this has been a very tough situation for everybody. I guess the biggest question and the general question is, you know, how are the dads doing and how are the guys doing right now? The dads are doing really well. They've adapted to this uh, this uh, bad situation, and um, it's I think for the most part has uh, has made everybody a little bit closer. Yeah, I guess uh, when you win a Stanley Cup, that's one thing, but when you go through a traumatic event, um, it does bring people closer, doesn't it? It does 100%, and, uh, you know, I see it also with the uh, with the players right now, and, uh, you know, there's uh, there's certain players out there like Steiner and stuff that uh, that uh, has have has that kind of dad mentality, and I think he's doing a great job in terms of um, talking to the players and even the parents about the situation. Obviously a very difficult situation, but, uh, you know, John, I guess, you know, the good news is that Jay's doing really well, and it, it happened in a good spot if it's going to happen because the paramedics are there, the doctors are there, so, so Jay did get the be- very best, you know, coverage there and, and, and help when he was in distress. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, we've seen that from the uh, from the box. We weren't 100% sure what was happening, but uh, the medical staff seemed to be uh, right on Jay, like right away, and uh, it was uh, it was it was something that was incredible to see. Yeah, obviously doing very well, and our thoughts are still with Jay and and his family as uh, as he recovers, and we certainly hope for a full recovery. Again, John Dunn is our guest, the dad of Vince Dunn, and. Uh, John, obviously, we haven't got to know you that long. Vince is only a, uh, you know, a young player in this league. But how have you enjoyed um, your time 
getting to know the other dads and, and the Blues organization, and obviously it, it was a pretty good year last year. Oh, you know what, the dads uh, on these, this is the third time that uh, that I've been privileged to uh, to, to be part of uh, the St. Louis Blues father's trip, and all the dads are just incredible. Um, you know, we have a good time. Um, everybody kind of does their own thing and get together for their meals and stuff, and uh, yeah, I can't say anything um, anything more about that except that uh, everybody is... Um, Everybody's been top notch. How did uh, Vince get into hockey? Were you a hockey player yourself? And uh, you know, what, how did he fall in love with the game? No, I never, uh, I never played hockey as a kid. My uh, father could never afford to, to put us into hockey, but uh, I always enjoyed it and I always wanted to, uh, to, to make sure my kids had the opportunity to play. Um, Vince, is, <laughs> Vince has always been one of those kids that's been great under pressure, and even as, a, even as a young boy when he first got into it, he always wanted to play with the older kids and uh, always, seemed to, uh, always seemed to adapt to uh, any type of environment that he was in when he was playing hockey. Was there a point where, you know, when he was a peewee or midget or, you know, junior hockey where you said, you know, he could make a career out of this or you just sort of let it evolve? You know what, I think it was at the time that uh, we moved, uh, we ended up having to move uh, Vince to, to Peterborough and uh, see him, seeing, seeing him adapt to that type of hockey over there and overcome some kind of difficult situations that, uh, that we had gotten into. I knew at that point there that uh, he was going to be you know, he's, he was going to be something different. Obviously, last year was something different in a, in a very good way. Were you around a lot for the cup run in the playoffs? Yeah, we were around for, uh, for the majority of it. And, and uh, what was, you know, aside from the moment they won the cup, was there a, was there a moment where that really sticks out to you um, from the second they won until, I guess, all the way until the banner raising? You know what, I think the, uh, I think the most more her memorable thing was uh, being down in Boston for for game seven and we were fortunate enough to have all our boys there and uh, my wife Tracy and uh, my mother-in-law Judy and uh, when they when they won that it was it was surreal um, uh, I really don't know how to describe it it was just such a, a wonderful incident tell us about the cup party back in in your hometown Oh, it was great. Uh, the the town of uh, City of Corth Lakes, they uh, they were they were excellent in terms of getting things set up for us. And uh, it was we didn't expect the amount of people that showed up. And it, there's there's another thing that was overwhelming. We ended up going into the arena where Vince was going to meet the uh, the public, and we figured there was going to be a couple hundred people there. But there was I there's probably about three or four thousand people that actually showed up to that. And Vince did a stellar job in getting through everybody. Obviously, um, you're Canadian like I am. It, to me, it's still amazing, John, that the cup can be so impactful to a lot of people. I mean, would you agree? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, when we had the cup at our home, there's people that were in tears, uh, you know, being able to get that close to it and being able to touch it. And, yeah, it, uh, it was a big impact on a lot of people. Absolutely. John Dunn, thank you for your time. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, J.K. I appreciate it. Okay, that's John Dunn, the dad of Blues defenseman Vince Dunn. We'll be back with much more after this on 101 ESPN. And our final segment here on Behind the Bench is presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Of course, the President's Day sale is going on now. You can update the floors in your home with savings on all type of flooring, including solid hardwood, reclaimed and waterproof. Visit one of our showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. 
Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the very best service. Our guest here in the final segment tonight is the TV play-by-play broadcaster of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosher. He also spent 17 years as the radio play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins. And Dave, obviously this has been quite a run for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now in just their third year in existence, first year going to the final, last year you losing a very difficult seven-game series to San Jose, and now, right now, your club is obviously in the midst of another playoff race. What's it been like for you as a broadcaster with an expansion team that has done so well here in Sin City? Yeah, it's been unbelievable, John. You think about it. You know, you you mentioned I was in Boston a long time, and yeah, you make a decision. You want to try to do some television, and I think we prove anyone can do that. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but no, I think no one would have ever imagined that they would be the you know, the, the Cinderella story they were in year one in the greatest expansion team in, in the history of sports. I mean, it was it was off the charts. My partner in crime, Shane Knighty, and I on television would talk a lot that first year about, okay, let's see where they are at Christmas, and let's see where they are at Valentine's Day, and let's see where they are at the trade deadline. And they just kept winning and winning and winning until, you know, they got all the way to, to the final against Washington. So year one was unbelievable. As you mentioned, they probably – I would love to have seen – a Vegas-St. Louis conference final last year. I think it would have been a heck of a series, but obviously we know what happened in Game 7. And this year's been more of a roller coaster, you know, and I think a shocking coaching change, to be honest with you. I said at the time, John, of the seven coaching changes in the league this year, that one was by far the most shocking. I think some of the other ones you could see coming and a couple of others, you know, some off-ice circumstances, I understand. But, um, you know, so now they're right in the thick of it. You know, they're going to have a battle here over the final 20-some-odd games to see if they can get in or not. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the coaching change and Gerard Gallant, of course, replaced with Pete DeBoer. What were the issues with Gallant at the time, and, and I guess why did they make the change? I think the biggest issue they would probably tell you was they were, you know, they were a bit inconsistent as a team this year. You know, they, they went on one good run from about right before Thanksgiving to through the new year. Ironically enough, as we talk here, the last Vegas win for Gerard Gallant was against the St. Louis Blues. That big come-from-behind win here when they came from 3 nothing down. But, you know, that... Then they lost the final three of that homestand. They went to Buffalo and lost again. And I think it's just my feeling, John, if, if you feel your team is underperforming and they, they felt they were, that you're, you're kind of limited in your options. You can make a big trade to try to kind of shock the system, I think, that way. They made a big trade getting Mark Stone last year. So now what are your other options? And I think they felt, well, the other option is you make a change in the coaching department. And uh, tough, to, tough to see it. You know, Gerard Gallant and Mike Kelly, two great men that, you know, we got to know personally over the last two and a half years. So to, to see them go was, was tough. But it's, you know, sadly enough, it is the nature of the business. And now they've got to hope that this change was the right one and they can, you know, push forward here and make the playoffs. Has DeBoer come in and made minor or major changes in terms of the way he uses his lines or strategies or things like that? A little bit. You know, they've wanted to be more aggressive on the penalty kill. And, um, you know, their penalty kill took a lot of hits before the coaching change. They were giving up a lot of goals. Um, and then the first, we'll say, six, seven games under DeBoer, it was very good. As we sit here right now, the last two games, they were allowed five power play goals. So they're trying to kind of get back at that. Um, I think they've, they've wanted their you know, one of their defensemen to join the rush a little bit more, make it a four-man attack up the ice. They've tried to play with, you know, more support in all areas of the ice. They want to defend better. I think that was an area they were giving up too many scoring chances against before the before the change. And I think if they had a hit list, it was going to be penalty kills got to be better. Defending better as a team, not just the goaltenders, has to be better. And we've seen it in spurts. And then there's other times we haven't seen it. 
it's been an odd schedule. Nine of the first 10 games for Pete DeBoer have been on the road. Uh, now, as we sit here tonight, they start 9 of 10 at home. So, you know, if they're going to make a push and put themselves in a good spot, I really think it's going to, a lot of it's going to be determined by how they do here over the next couple of weeks. Again, we're talking to Dave Rocher, play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. And Dave, we touched on the Golden Knights in their first year and now in their third year. You know, I walk around Vegas the last few days and on the Strip, there are Golden Knights jerseys everywhere. I don't need to tell you that. It has been a phenomenon in this city, hasn't it? Yeah, it's unbelievable, John. And I think I always try to, you know, you play the game. How long does it take you to see a Golden Knights t-shirt, hat, you know, when you're out and about, license plate, bumper sticker, and it usually is inside of five minutes, you know, where you see something. So I think what it's what I've learned, and look, I've only been here two and a half years, but I talked to people that, that were here their whole lives. They wanted their own team for a long, long time. And... Um, you know, it turned out they got an NHL team and the Raiders are going to come next year. And um, and I, I think that's good. I think I, I am a believer that, you know, the rising tide raises all the boats. So it'd be good for them to have an NFL team. But I do think it's different. You know, the, the thing with the Golden Knights is they're big on the Vegas born. This isn't a team relocating. This is their own team. And people are enormously proud of that. Uh, I don't think you can get around the fact that first year, John, that that tragedy of October 1 happened five days before the season, those, you know, the terrible shootings out of Mandalay Bay. And I think the, you know, the, there was already a strong bond between the franchise and, and the fan base. I think all that did, albeit for a terrible reason, was strengthen it because I think people were looking for something to positive to grab onto. And that team started winning and, you know, they won eight of their first nine games and they never looked back. So I think that bond between fan base and team I mean, I hope it's around forever. I think it will be because that's that's how strong it is. They love this team. I mean, you've seen it. You've been here enough games. Every night, off the charts, atmosphere, whether it's playing the defending Stanley Cup champions or it's a random Tuesday night against the Florida Panthers. It's always the same, which which is unbelievable every night. Yeah, it really has become a, a go-to place here in Vegas, and that's not easy to say. Dave Gosher, I mentioned finally you were the longtime voice of the Bruins for 17 years. Um, I'm not going to apologize for the Blue <laughs> Stanley Cup win last year, um, but uh, did, you, did you watch it, and what did you think going in, and what are your thoughts now? Well, I, yeah, I did watch and listen to a fair amount of it, John, and I, you know, look, I, I would have... Truth be told, either way, I was fine. You know, obviously, I still know a lot of people in Boston and, and certainly a lot of guys on that team, and especially the core guys, you know, Chara, Bergeron, Marshawn, Rask, uh, among others. That being said, um, you know, I had the good fortune to, to do some radio moonlighting in the conference final last year with your partner, Darren Pang, and, and got to spend some, some great time, I thought, with yourself and, and Panger, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, your group, and it was a, really a treat for me to be around uh, all of you guys. So... Um, and the fact the Blues had never won it, the fact Curbs and I go back 100 years or close to 100 years, um, you know, I, I, was, I was happy. I was happy for the Blues. I was happy for the organization because at least in my little limited time for a couple of weeks last May, um, you know, just first-class people all the way. So I was uh, – I, I don't feel like I could have lost either way the way that went, but I wasn't uh, – you know, I was happy because obviously the fan base there has waited forever. They certainly have, and they were rewarded. Dave, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you guys in the spring. That'd be great, John. It'd be uh, fantastic. Maybe, we'll, maybe the conference final this time yeah, around would be go. great. Be nice. Thanks, John. All right, that's Dave Gosher, longtime voice of the Boston Bruins, and now, of course, here in Vegas with the Golden Knights. That's our show for tonight. Thanks to the head coach, Craig Berube, Dave Gosher, also Mitch Bozak, and John Dunn, the father of Vince Dunn. That's our show for this week. Have a great week, everyone.